Hello and welcome to Asia Bridge, the podcast where we present the best of Asia society programming in 15 minutes or less. I'm Matsuki Avenza. Last week's summit in Vietnam between U.S. President Donald Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, the second such meeting in the last nine months, came to an abrupt end when the two could not agree on a deal. Trump was philosophical about the outcome, saying that sometimes you just have to walk away. But the failure in Hanoi reinforced the notion, believed by skeptics, that Trump's mano-a-mano approach for resolving the North Korean nuclear crisis would not work. One of these skeptics is Daniel Russell of the Asia Society Policy Institute. He's formerly President Barack Obama's point person on Asia. On Tuesday, Russell spoke with Carol Giacomo of the New York Times at Asia Society in New York about why he thought things didn't go Trump's way. Russell argued that the president himself, instead of an aide such as Special Representative Stephen Began or Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, was ultimately responsible for what happened. The president signaled that he wanted to be the guy to make the deal. And the proposition that was being tested, and Steve and Secretary Pompeo were very clear about this, proposition that was being tested was that there was a personal relationship, some magical chemistry between uh, Donald Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un that was going to prove to be the secret ingredient, that sort of magic uh, element that would make this time different from all the others. The problem, and I'm not the only person who warned about this nine months ago uh, in connection with the summit in Singapore, is that when you start diplomacy at the very top, you have nowhere to go but down. And once it is demonstrated that the leaders can't close a deal, the ability of the, in this case of the United States, to engage at a level of negotiators and apply real leverage is is badly undermined. It is going to be harder now to get traction in a uh, working level negotiation than it would have been if the culminating event, if the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow uh, was going to be a summit with the President of the United Russell States. argued that the entire premise of the summit, that personal diplomacy from the President trumped all other variables, was flawed. The factors that set the stage for North Korea's desire to uh, find a deal were the coercive effects of sanctions. And I think that the uh, turnaround uh, at uh, the beginning of 2018 uh, in the run-up to the uh, Olympics in South Korea, when Kim Jong-un first signaled that he was prepared to hit the pause button and set aside his big nuclear button. I think that was uh, definitely the function of the North Korean leader recognizing that China was now uh, actively enforcing UN Security Council sanctions. The sanctions themselves were vastly more rigorous. And that while uh, Kim Jong-un wasn't uh, perhaps in immediate Jeopardy. certainly doesn't look like he was going hungry. He nevertheless could see where this was going to lead, that by the mm -hmm. end of 2018, uh, the North Korean economy would be in shambles, that he was in a tough spot. 
And he did what his father and grandfather before him have done, which is to uh, to flip, to, to pivot to a charm offensive. Now, to me, the critical moment uh, that was wasted was the moment when that formidable degree of coercive pressure from sanctions and from the tight unity among the five key parties uh, could have brought Kim to the table on terms that are acceptable to us. Mm -hmm. So the, the short answer, I think, to your question, Carol, is this. The terms that were kind of on the table for a deal when President Trump went to Singapore and went to, uh, to Hanoi were not will North Korea comply fully with its legal obligations under all the UN Security Council resolutions? That's, a, that's an obligation, not an option. Those were not the terms. The terms were, what is it worth to you, America, to keep this relative peace and quiet, this freeze going a little bit longer? It was a kind of eBay auction. How much are you willing to pay? Mm -hmm. So I think there was something fundamentally flawed about the premise mm -hmm. that the US engaged on. Now, I'm not saying there's no way or was no way to uh, claw it back to a better place, but we were beginning from a serious uh, disadvantage. Unity both within the Trump administration and between the United States and other international stakeholders is essential to North Korea's strategy going forward, said Russell. I don't think we have the option of reconciling ourselves to failure. Um, the fact is that the United States uh, has leverage and has the ability to uh, create better leverage, principally by repairing the, uh, the unity uh, among the key actors. That mm -hmm. means with China, in the first instance, it means better alignment with uh, South Korea, with Japan, mm -hmm. and even with Russia. Second, it, uh, I think, is incumbent on the United States to uh, find unity internally as well. I'm not suggesting Democrats and Republicans, because I think there's a lot of bipartisan uh, support for a, uh, a smart strategy towards denuclearization. But I mean unity within the administration itself, uh, so that uh, all messages uh, to the North Koreans are, are consistent messages. None of this bobbing, weaving, dodging, hiding, do, you, do I agree with the president? Well. I'm just the national security advisor. I'm not the national security decider. Um, you really have to have uh, a single unified uh, strategy in order to be able to deal with as formidable an opponent as uh, North Korea. So, so what, how, how do you interpret, what do you see as China's reaction to all of this? And what is China going to, is China going to be willing to, um, you know, support the United States uh, in, a, in a unified policy going forward? I think we began to see a uh, widening of the gaps between uh, China and the United States uh, as far as North Korea policy is concerned when uh, the president began his talk about a bloody nose and mm -hmm. talk about fire and fury. 
I work uh, very closely with all of our diplomatic partners in Asia, including and especially the Chinese over the eight years. Uh, I was in the White House and then in uh, the State Department. And I'm convinced that the Chinese are dead serious when they say that they are uh, committed to the full denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. I, I have no doubt about that. But I would say that denuclearization is not exactly everyone's, including China's, first priority. I think that China's first priority is maintaining stability in, on their borders. It means avoiding war, avoiding chaos. Uh, so denuclearization is a goal, mm -hmm. but it comes second to keeping things calm. And when uh, President Trump in the United States began threatening to destroy North Korea, began talking openly about preemptive strikes and so on, it caused China to rethink uh, its approach. Now, in the first instance, that led to more pressure on North Korea to quiet down and to behave. But more broadly, and particularly when President Trump reversed course and decided that he was without consultation or preparation uh, announcing uh, his intent to meet in Singapore with uh, Kim Jong-un, it caused the Chinese to conclude that they really needed to have their own independent, separate approach to North Korea and not be uh, dependent on the inconsistent uh, and perhaps unreliable U.S. approach. Thank you for listening to Asia Abridged. If you want to hear more, you can visit our show page at asiasociety.org slash podcast, where you can find the link for the full video of this event on our site. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Asia Society. Until next time, this is Matt Skiavenza. <laughs>